podcast. My name's Chase, and today we have Topher, Sreyas, and Jake. Sam is not able to join us because he is on an airplane to Japan. But with that being said, I know everyone was probably worried sick about my foot over this uh, past Saturday, <laughs> and I have great news to report. I do not, in fact, have to cook and eat my foot on uh, Twitter or X Live. Yeah, um, because yeah, exactly because. The University of Colorado Buffaloes defeated Colorado State 43-35 to in what may be the ugliest game I remember in a long time. Um, but, Sreyas, you were there. Uh, first reactions, thoughts? What was the, the game day experience like? From the time I got into the stadium, I got into the stadium probably an hour before kick, and the student section was already full. Most of the sections were already full. There was an electricity in the air that even I didn't necessarily perceive before Nebraska because that was a 10 a.m. kick. You know, how much electricity can there really be if you're still should be in your pajamas, basically rolling out of bed. But this was everyone had a full day, right? They had a full day to get completely used to the environment and the gravity of the day. Um, and it was electric. You could feel that something something significant was going to happen. In, in that game. And then once the game started, we had the pick six right away in the first quarter, early on in the first quarter, and everyone was getting ready and hype. And man, the next three and a half quarters or so was so mentally taxing and painful. You could feel the air just slowly but surely getting completely sucked out of the building. And it was it was as terrified as I've been for an outcome in a long time because of how much media coverage there was. And and we can talk about game day too, since I didn't happen to go. So we can talk about that bit, but it was just like watching the life just get drained out of you. And then we can talk about this too. The CSU just completely blew it at the end. And more importantly, Shador had a drive for the ages, one of the signature moments, I think, that I can remember in a long, long time for Colorado football. And that was as loud and rowdy and chaotic as I can ever, ever remember a crowd at Folsom Field. It was absolutely spectacular. The emotion was at a high that I, I can't even explain, even more than Nebraska, way more than Nebraska. Right. The feeling of relief was incredible. Topher, you were there, too. What did you think? Uh, um, I think you described it nail on the head. Uh, um, I think that was the first time we were in Folsom and we could feel a live crowd be nervous um, about this team. So um, that was something that, you know, you, you, you lean into the discomfort. And it's why I love this sport so much, because for three and a half quarters, we did not look like the better football team. And at the end of the day, I came out of that statement thinking that was the best game I've ever seen because I got to witness one of the greatest wins. Um, as far as like a pure football sense, that was one of the greatest wins I've ever seen. And really quick, that discomfort you could totally pick up on on TV. It was insane how demoralized the student section looked. Also on Twitter, and we can maybe get into this a little bit later, but people were like, the buffs are back. Like, welcome to the buffs and being a fan to you new coach prime fans. The buffs are back. Um, we can get into that a little bit later, but do you guys want to chat about college game day really quick before we get into the game? Yeah, sure. I, I can, I can kind of take that. So 
God, what a crazy, what a crazy day for me. So I was on a lengthy work trip to the East coast and just got back on Friday night. So when I got home, I was like, oh crap, I was not prepared for this at all. I have to get up super early to get to Boulder in time to get a good spot. I didn't have a flagpole. <laughs> um, I, I just sat at home, you know, for a while, like not able to sleep, thinking about how I was going to do all this stuff. What flag was I going to bring? Cause I couldn't find my C unit flag at the time. What, or, you know, what, what am I going to do? So I literally went and found like uh, an old tent pole. And I was like, I'm just going to put a black and gold and Juna beats flag. So that's a record label from the UK that I've been listening to for a long time. So I'm just going to put a black and gold flag on this. It's unique. And I'm going to get down there. So I got down there at like five or five 30 AM, basically no sleep, right? I, maybe an hour or two of sleep and got out there and it was, it was already packed. Like the pit was already completely packed and there were the standard uh, Oregon state and Washington state, especially flags that were there. They show up at every game day. Right. And so they were out there bright and early too. And and then the sun was rising and then the flat irons were there and the broadcast was being played live. So we could see ourselves on the TV, like in the live broadcast. And oh my God, what an amazing experience. That's like a bucket list thing for me. I always wanted the opportunity to go to a football college game day. We had the basketball college game day many years ago against Arizona, but never, never the football one since 96. So that was a big bucket list thing for me. Lee Corso had his four 400th headgear pick and they, they made this really beautiful montage for him to reminisce on the good and the bad of all of his years. You know, Lee was very emotional because as some of you guys probably know, uh, Lee Corso had a stroke uh, not too long ago and he's, he's struggled to fully recover from it, but ESPN stuck by him despite the stroke and whatever challenges he was facing and hitting 400 was like a beautiful reminder for him that he still had the opportunity to do all this despite all of his health challenges. So there was a lot of tears shed, I think in the crowd, there's a lot of tears shed over, over Peggy and, and her being there and the, the stuff that that they shared about her to the whole world for, to see, that was a be- just, just a beautiful thing. And Ultimately, by the end of it, it was just a, a wonderful experience that I'll never forget. It was it was awesome. Yeah, I uh, I didn't get to go in person, but I, I obviously I watched it all. Um, but I've I've been to a game day. It was at, at Penn State um, while I was at school there, and it's interesting how different the energies looked. Right, like every I think every college fan wants to go to a college game day. Um, if you're if you're an actual fan of the of the game, you, you have to go. It's like one of those buckets. You know, it's like the mecca of college football, right? And so. You know, going at a Big Ten school, it's, you know, Penn State gets college game day fairly frequently, right? And so the energy was just clearly different, right? Like the, the the game day energy at Boulder was different from a thousand miles away to anyone watching on TV. And what's really cool is that on Twitter, you had Kirk Herbstreet coming out and saying that was the best energy, one of my favorite episodes we've ever had. You know, you had all these these cool events happening. The crowd was great the entire time. The view from the business school fields is spectacular. Very lucky to have it in front of Leeds. And so what's crazy to think about is Big Noon Kickoff was also there at the same time and completely packed as well. And so these game shows keep going to, you know, Tuscaloosa every every two weeks and they go to Athens, Georgia every week. 
and they aren't getting these crowds that really care anymore. People aren't showing up. And it's really refreshing to see them come to a school like CU that hasn't had it while we've been alive. I know Stratus was like 30 years old last time they were here, but <laughs> they've been here. They haven't been here since 1996, right? Like Kirk Herbstreet started his first episode as, as you, I'm, sure, I'm sure you guys saw was in Boulder, right? So that's how long it has been since they've been to Boulder and they get that kind of energy and that kind of support. And I, I thought it was really cool. It was a great look for the university. Um, I don't know how you could look at the flat, flat irons. My wife was looking at it. And she was like, it literally looks Photoshopped. She's like, are they actually there? I can't tell because that's how stunning the, the flat irons are and, and how great the backdrop is. Honestly, very cool that the university got a three-hour commercial on Fox and ESPN, um, Fox on for two weeks. You know, that's that's the kind of effect that Prime has, right, in, in that hire. So it's not just, you know, the ticket sales and all that kind of stuff. But we just had a three-hour infomercial about our university um, on ESPN as well. So I'll get off my high horse, but really great energy. Um, you could tell from TV, some great segments. And, um, you know, cool to see the sink get a shout-out. They did a nice job um, and and really cool. So I, I I was a huge fan. Um, I hope they come back. Boys, I, I, our, our acceptance rate, our acceptance rate is going to go way down now. <laughs> <laughs> we've been at eighty to scientists engineer the group. <laughs> we've been eighty to ninety percent pretty much my whole life, which bears no that, that honestly I don't care right. But the, obviously some of these dumb college academic rankings uh, aggregators play that heavily into account but with i don't understand how or i don't know how i'm sure they all did you're a high school senior that's looking at schools and you see that presentation two straight weeks on national tv and then you also see the environment at these at the games and you're not just instantly like i have to apply i have to apply like this is this is the place this is the place that is is so special to us, right? It's so special to us. But now on the grand stage, especially because there's so much media attention to see you because of because of Prime, there's going to be more applicants than the school has ever seen. Uh, it's yeah, we're, uh, it's going to go down. Like the, we can't accept them all. Where are you going to put them all? You have to build like two more Willville. Well, did you least. guys see there was a proposed plan to build on, on the dark horses? Oh uh, God! Plan? Did you guys see that? Yeah, this is the this is the cost of Prime, right? It's Slander. not not it's not all <laughs> just good, right? But the uh, the beautiful dark horse plus the sprouts and, and I guess the cosmos is down there as well. But uh, uh, the dark the horse might be a prime the McDonald's victim. McDonald's is getting saved, but yeah, all those places are a prime victim. You know what they need to the do? Golden Arches. What they really need to do is, you know, uh, in in Major League Baseball, right? The San Diego Padres when they built their new stadium, they left the hundred year old warehouse, and it's actually part of the foul pool. Like the corner of the old hundred something year old warehouse is the left field foul pole. Just, that's just what they need to do. The horse be part of a dorm. You know? That's what I'm saying. They can't <laughs> have it be right don't in the get rid of the dark horse. Build around it. Right. We're innovative. We're an innovative community. Let's do something smart. Don't get rid of these icons. Integrate them into your new developments. How about that? Come on, Boulder. Be forward thinking. There we go. Just like Coach Prime. So really quick, uh, there were a bunch of celebrities at the game. Feel free to chime in, guys, on on whom I who I'm forgetting. But The Rock was there, yeah, the whole college game day crew there. Um, Chauncey Billups, Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, I think, was there. Yeah, um, apparently. Who else am I missing? There were a bunch of rappers there. Um, I think Offset was there. Wavo. Offset, yes, yes, yeah. So a bunch of people there, and then 
kind of a big highlight was someone very special led the team out of the tunnel. Little Wayne uh, came out. Guys that were there, what was what was the reaction? And how was the stadium like when when that happened? So loud, so loud. I I couldn't understand anything he was rapping, but it was just so cool. And you just instantly, everyone was like, "Is this real life?" They need to put speakers. They need to put speakers on the south side. You really can't hear anything on the south side at all. It's Um, tough. But they actually they they ran Ralphie independently, so they just ran her independently, and they they kind of truncated the run too. So they only ran her to about the twenty five or thirty yard line. It was one of the shortest horseshoes that I've seen Ralphie run out there. So that was kind of interesting. I, I was very surprised by that. Even against Nebraska, they had her running further. So maybe she was kind of in a mood or something. I know that they have, they have issues with Ralphie's getting too excited every now and again, but everyone was so confused by that. They're like, wait, Ralphie just ran. Where's the team. And then all of a sudden they, they zoom in and there's Lil Wayne. Oh my God. It was it was just surreal. It's like, where are we right now? What are, what are we doing? Who Who is this? What are we as a program? What are we as a fan base? What are we as alumni? Who, like, this is insane. Are we at a Lakers game? Are we in Hollywood? What, like, what is going on? I, I, Dude, I it's so incredible. Can you imagine are we a big, a we a big market team? Can you imagine being a recruit? You come to Boulder after, heck, going to Alabama. You come to Boulder and Little Wayne's there leading Yo. the team out. Are you kidding me? And we had some studs in Boulder really quick, just to name them off. Um, I figure this might be a good place to name them off. But obviously the big name, Bryce Underwood, five-star quarterback, best quarterback in the 2025 class. I think he's the best player in the 2025 class was there. Also uh, Jeremiah Beeman, four-star 2024 recruit defensive lineman. The student section was chanting his name, and his mom today tweeted, the student section is chanting my kid's name. Goosebumps, man. Beautiful. Like, Coach so Brian, like, this is the start of something special. I think we're going to look back at, even, I, I said this in the group chat, looking back at the TCU game, none of this would have happened if they didn't get that win at TCU. And it was just a snowball effect. So really quick, just list out all the recruits. Aaron Butler, four-star athlete. Boo Carter, four-star athlete. Jordan Seaton, four-star interior offensive lineman. Danny O'Neill, obviously committed to CU already. Same with Zachary Lewis and Talon Chandler, all three stars. And then for 2025, Martellus Carter Jr., safety, four-star. And then two wide receivers, Dallas Wilson, four-star. Adrian Walker Jr., three-star. And a couple not ranked guys, but I think there's a lot of potential there. JT Taggart, son of Willie Taggart, athlete. Uh, Chris Hewitt Jr., athlete. And then Jack James, quarterback. So they had a ton of studs there. Um, so I just had to chime in and just mention that. Can you imagine being a high school kid? You come to this game. A, you meet the best DB ever in Coach Prime. You meet one of the biggest celebrities in football. Biggest celebrity in sports right now. And that's just the beginning. Little Wayne's there. The Rock's there. Chauncey Billups is there. Kyle Lowry's there. list goes on and on. Offset. list goes on and on and on. Incredible. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, anyone who watched on TV does have to imagine because if you were watching on ESPN, you actually didn't get to see Lil Wayne bring the team in because uh, Josh Hoypel decided to call a timeout down 10 points against Florida um, to extend Whack. the game so that it didn't kick off on ESPN. Yeah, so uh, for people who hadn't seen it. Josh Heupel, was a, he was an Oklahoma Sooner. 
right? Typical Oklahoma behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> he belongs in hell for that one. But uh, with that being said, I mean, you know, just thinking about the game, right. It starts out really slow. I think, I, I don't know, you know, the, the drive down the field was a little nervous. You know, I was a little nervous about that where CSU drove on us pretty easily before we got that pick six um, could have had three points, but they decided to accept the penalty um, and turns out that was the, the greatest penalty of all time um, to translate into that pick six, which was great. And I really thought, you know, the gates were going to open from there um, and, and definitely didn't quite go that way. Topher, how did the, uh, how, how did the stadium feel once we, once it was pretty clear that we might actually be on the ropes and not just in for an absolute dog walking like we expected. So after that initial pick six, you, you felt like, Oh, all of our predictions are right. This is about to be a blowout, right? Like that was the best punch they had. And they just gave us seven points. Sick. Um, what really started to make everyone nervous was when they'd had the scoop and score against Travis um, and Shador also threw a pick. It's like our two stars just turned the ball over. Something's not right. Um, I, uh, it just, again, that anxiety in the crowd, you could feel it. And like the longtime fans, cause I sit not in the student section, like the longtime fans, everyone I sit around their season ticket holders are like, Oh no, <laughs> this is, this is the most buff shit ever if we just lose this CSU. <laughs> yeah, like um, that was the exact word that I had in mind. It was just classic buff shit. Classic. And I, I can't tell you how many times I said that to the guys that dude, I go to games with. Twitter was saying the exact same thing. And they're like, we're back. The buffs are back, baby. You guys that are new, <laughs> that are with Coach Prime. This is what it's like being a CU fan. Honestly, it drove me nuts. Because I believed in this team. I, I believe in this team. They have so much talent. Shadur Sanders is the real deal. Xavier Weaver is the real deal. We have an explosive offense. I know they started slow. But, man, do I believe in this team. And it drove me nuts to see people go back into their somber ways of being a CU fan. It's different. Coach Prime is our head coach. Believe, people. I know it was ugly at first. But, man, it was a little discouraging to see that. And I know, I know the buffs were down and didn't look great at the beginning there. But. Yeah, it just uh, I don't like seeing CU fans go back to their their old ways. But can you blame them? I mean, can you blame traumatized. them? We're traumatized, man. Big traumatized. Just a quick tidbit. So that Shiloh pick, um, I watched the film on it. You remember the first pick of the season with Trevor Woods? How we started in a too high safety look, and then Shiloh rolled down, rolled into a cover three. The exact same look, except this time Shiloh got the pick, and. I just found that hilarious is that we ran the same exact thing. Like this was on film. Like we talked about this and CSU played right into it. <laughs> and uh, coach Norvell, if you're listening, Topher is available to be hired. Uh, if you need someone to analyze your film, because apparently you guys in your cow pasture <laughs> aren't able to figure that out. Sorry, um, quick shout out to Shiloh Sanders. He, uh, he got the interception. I think he forced a fumble as well. He right, did. Guys? And had yeah. a bunch of tackles. Well, and while while we're on the subject, we can just do go ahead and do it real quick. Uh, we'll do our Q Wealth Management Player of the Game. Go to qwealthmanagement.com to learn more. But I was going to go ahead and throw that out there. Um, we were kind of trying to figure out who our Player of the Game was going to be. Um, Shador is a pretty obvious choice, but I think it should be Shiloh. I think Shiloh has been, you know, Shiloh is the guy that people, you know, everyone wanted Shador to transfer. And and if you guys remember when Coach Prime decided to come here, Shiloh was, you know, not immediate to decide that he's going to follow his dad. He, he, you know, kind of looked around and uh, I, I think, you know, 
he's been a lot better. You know, I, I, everyone expected him to be good, but he's been really, really, really solid. Um, and so I, I, in my mind, he's the player of the game. Um, I know there's a, quite a few guys that could, could be up there. Um, but you know, the, the pick six was huge. He played great defense, um, for the most part. So that, that's my player of the game. Yeah. For me, for defense, right. We got to do, a yeah, we got to also do offense, I think. So I think, we have to, you have to take Shadur, right? You have to take Shadur, but my heart is with Mikey say it, Harrison. Say Mikey it. Harrison. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, say it again. Say it again. Mikey Harrison, walk on tight Remember that name. But we all baller, knew that he was a baller. baller. We knew he was a baller. We used to, we saw the well-off videos, right? We saw all of the stuff from pre-spring game. We saw Sidhu uh, Traore transfer out. After just transferring in, we were like, oh, what's going Praise on? Praise God, man. Mikey, Mikey Harrison is why. That dude played. He that Okay, so early on, let's talk about that 98-yard drive, right? I think we all need to talk about this. Oh, let's just go around. Be, okay, let's go into it. That 98-yard drive was really started by Mikey Harrison because he had that huge, like, diving catch where he was moving the opposite side of his body that he had to dive to catch the Is ball. Is this the one like across the middle around yeah. the 30 yard line? Yeah. That was yeah. an yeah. unbelievable catch. And that started the drive because this is a momentum offense, which is why it's so frustrating that, that Mohammed Kamara kept sitting down after every time we started getting momentum and getting an injury timeout that, and then just came right back into the game. But you know what? We're a momentum offense. And so Mikey Harrison initiated that whole drive with that spectacular catch. I hope people don't forget about that because obviously the, 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 I think it was the play to Tavares Dawson after that. And then obviously the absolute cooking that Jimmy Horn put on our favorite Favorite player of all time, Henry Blackburn. Absolute cooking. Just made him completely come out of his shoes, right? Completely shook him out of his shoes and scored that huge touchdown. Um, and then who caught the two-point conversion? What, guy. what a spectacular game for Mikey Harrison. He will always have a special place at CU for that game. That was the Mikey Harrison game to me, right? We love Shadur's yeah. numbers by the end of the game look amazing. Don't don't even oh, yeah. get me wrong. They actually – so that's the funny thing because we all perceived in, in real time how much he was struggling because he was under constant pressure, but he had a big game. But Mikey Harrison, man, I, that's where my heart – my heart goes with him. That guy balled yeah. out. I agree. And, and get really, that man really, on scholarship, please. Like, oh, my God. the, the I, He should have it today. Like, that, that should be finalized in process today. So – um yeah, two touchdowns, and he, you know, also had. I can't remember. Do you have one two point conversion or both? One. Xavier Weider yeah. had the other. Okay, but still, I mean, he was everywhere, everywhere. Um, so yeah, I agree with that one. That's a good offensive player of the game, Jake. Um, yeah, I'm going with that for offensive player of the game and defensive. I'm I'm good with those. I was just gonna add because Reyes brought up that 98 yard drive. We tweeted out 98 yards to go, two minutes, 10 seconds left. I wouldn't want any other quarterback right now. And sure enough, Shador turned on Tom Brady mode. Got it done. I was about to say, I'd take Tom Brady, but (laughs) you said it yourself. You turned on Brady mode. Just amazing. I don't know if Tom Brady could have done that. that, So so that that trench battle was 
painful to watch. It was painful. Tank, man, he's got to get it figured out, right? And maybe it was because he was matched up against an NFL DL. Like, Kamara is a beast. He's, he's, a, he's a beast. He's, he's an gonna absolute play on beast. Sundays, and he's going to do well on Sundays. That he guy is like awesome. Yeah, that, that guy was extremely impressive, but the pressure was relentless. It was relentless. And Shadur, as we, I think we've talked about this in past episodes, he's not a mobile quarterback at this level, right? And he's he can scramble a little bit, but he's not intended to be a mobile quarterback. He's not like a Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, right? He's not going to give you – he's not a Josh Allen. He's, he's not going to – he's not going to give you design runs, typically right not at this level he did it to some extent at jackson but he's not going to do it at this level so for him to be under that type of relentless pressure and still completing passes taking hits he took that really really late hit in overtime from kamara that got kamara ejected um so but he hung in there right he absolutely hung in there through all of that NFL scouts got to be seeing that and just salivating like, oh, my God, we have a guy that knows how to how to stay in the pocket and how to look downfield and fit balls into tight windows. Right. Like and read a defense pre-snap. He is elite at that. Yeah. Elite. Uh, just, perfect. A perfect NFL quarterback. And just one other thing I want to point out is and we've, we've talked about this in the past. He. It doesn't run because he keeps his eyes downfield when he's running up to the line of scrimmage. So if he gets flushed, he's always keeping his eyes downfield. And that's, I think, a big thing that a lot of college quarterbacks that might be great at the college level don't do well enough to succeed at the NFL level is keep your eyes downfield. And he's the best that I think I've ever seen at the college level. I can't remember. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is like notorious for it, right? But, um, you know, he's he's exceptional. And that that's going to be really big for him on Sundays. So transitioning us uh, slightly, um, we talked about the CSU uh, Kamara, the defensive end. So incident with him and Shador, Shador went for the eye poke. There were a couple, more than a couple. The game was very chippy. Um, obviously, uh, the Shador eye poke, you have the huge cheap shot on Travis Hunter. Um, it was a little chippy before the game as well. Uh, some smack talk at midfield. Guys, let's just let's just talk about it. Let's talk about the Travis Hunter play first because it obviously has a huge impact. And before we get in there uh, to to discuss it, it sounds like Coach Prime said he'll be out for a few weeks. I don't think we've seen an official diagnosis yet on Twitter. Correct me if I'm wrong, there, guys. Um, but Travis, his girlfriend, also posted a photo of him in the hospital saying he was okay. Thanks for the prayers. Um, still praying for Travis. I think he got out of the hospital this morning. Again, we, we're not quite sure what's what's up with him, but it sounds like he's going to be out for a few weeks, which is really – it hurts. I mean, you're, you're losing your best player on both side of, sides of the ball going into Oregon and USC, so it hurts. Sirius, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about that hit. So I t- – to be 100% honest with you, in real time, I wasn't I wasn't paying super close attention to what was going on there. We were wondering what happened with Travis because he did come back in for at least a couple plays, I believe, immediately after. And then yeah. we just didn't see him out there anymore. So we weren't sure exactly what happened. We saw that there was a late hit. But when you go back and look at the tape, oh, my goodness, there's a couple angles that look really, really bad. It Because that, that, that was completely after the play, right? 
the ball had already hit the ground. There's no, I mean, so you you have to at least come up with some level of, I'm not going to intentionally try to hurt someone in this violent game, right? Maybe, maybe it's just like an unspoken, maybe, maybe I'm a pearl clutcher about this, but that, that's just, there's no place for that. How, like how you're already playing a super violent game and heavy hits happen. And it's a, it's a terrible thing. It's one of the, the great risks and dangers of football that I think everyone's fully aware of at this point, but for a completely outside unnecessary play. And, and it makes you question whether this was the type of mindset that this team had coming into this game, because they were, they were angry and they played, they balled out, right? CSU balled out. They played better than I've seen CSU play in a very, very long time. They played such an incredible game with so much passion, but God, some of those, some of that in particular, but then some of the chop blocks, they got called for multiple chop blocks. They got hit with the, uh, the, the illegal blindside block, which I know Twitter was angry about that, but that was absolutely a penalty hundred percent. Right. That, if nothing else, it's a pick play. So when you're playing that kind of game, it just, it's already a violent game. You don't need, you, you really shouldn't do that. Like there, this, there needs to be some sort of enforcement to prevent that type of thing from happening. I, I was disgusted by it. I was absolutely disgusted by it. And I understand why the whole world, including, including LeBron James and JJ Watt and all these other star players, Ryan Clark, Des Des, the whole world was talking about it. And, uh, you know, Henry Blackburn, uh, dude, why, why? Like what you, you just, this is, this is really unfortunate that it happened on a, on a, a national stage to one of the most electric players to be on a football field right now. This is going to follow you around, man. You didn't have to do this. You didn't have to do It's just don't like what, what was going through your head? What, why was that a thing? Why was that a thing where it just looks so blatantly like he was going after him? He was headhunting. That's, that's terrible. There's no place in the game for that, man. Yeah. And I, I think the, the big thing is that he, this guy has, you know, Travis has the opportunity to make hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Literally hundreds of millions of dollars in the NFL. And you're going to risk that over a college football game. That's, you know, because it's a rivalry game, you know, because, because you're upset of, but you know, what was said about your coach or whatever it is. Um, I agree. It's ridiculous. I do understand though. A lot of people were like, how did the referees not, you know, eject him from the game. I do understand because until you see the ESPN angle that they posted on Twitter, ESPN just posted on Twitter, by the way, which is crazy. Um, but the angle that like most clearly shows that he like sees the ball go past and then changes trajectory and just throws a shoulder, you know, to, to, you know, essentially take Travis out of the game. Now I do understand, you know, emotions are, are running high and um, you know, he's probably not trying to, I don't, I don't think he's probably trying to hurt Travis Hunter. I think he's trying to send a message and, and be physical. Um, it's definitely an illegal hit, right? There's no, there's no place in the game, but I do understand, like, you know, I think, I think people that are like making death threats on Twitter and stuff are, are way over the top, right? Like you're just yeah, not that's true. Like it, it, it's not like he was, I, I personally do not think he was trying to like end Travis's season, but you're risking it, right? Like you guys at the end of the game or at the end of the day, right? Everyone should look around and realize like, we're here because we want to better ourselves and make it maybe to the NFL, you know, it doesn't matter. It's not worth hurting each other over ever. Right. So um, I, I, that's kind of my convoluted take is 
you know, people are way going over the top on Twitter with, you know, death threats and, and trying to, you know, make allegations against him and stuff like that, I think. But um, yeah, an unfortunate hit. And I, I'm really hopeful that Travis will be able to recover quickly. Um, it, it's just tough to see because he's a great kid as well, right? It's not just that he's a great football player, but like, you know, no one deserves to to have that hit. And I'm really impressed by his toughness by staying in the game. So um you're yeah. really giving him the benefit of the doubt, right? Uh, I'm just going to be the one to say it. you're giving Blackburn the benefit of the doubt there. So that looked that looked malicious to me. Uh, I'm sorry, right? I completely agree that we sh- no one should be threatening this guy's livelihood over this. That is totally, totally unacceptable, unequivocally. No one, no one should be, no one should ever go after someone for what happens in a in a football game. But that it looked it looked really malicious it looked really malicious and and there's a lot of people out there so before before you respond there are a lot of people who are comparing that to the eye poke incident with Shadur which we should all also discuss right and Shadur yeah you can't do that right you can't do that he he probably got away with one that's uh, I don't remember if they, I don't think they called a personal foul on that you can't do that like that's that's not okay but if you look at Kamara's reaction to supposedly getting his eye poked he didn't react like he got his eye poked he didn't blink even right so he got lucky. Shadur got lucky that he didn't make contact. You can't do that. But that was, man, he went right, he went right at him, man. Hit him right in the ribs. I, we're giving Ben for the doubt if we say that it wasn't, it, it wasn't malicious. It, it looked bad to me, man. It looked bad. I hear you. I'm just saying, like, if you've played football before, you know the emotion, you know the high energy. You you turn to like give a, you know, it's same thing like when you hit a quarterback after the the ball is thrown. Like you know you're not gonna sack him before the ball is thrown, but you're trying to like be physical, rough up the player. Right. And I think that's more, that's just my guess is that energies are running high. He wants to like, you know, be physical and establish something. I don't think he's trying to hurt. I just don't believe it. Like, and, and people can hate on that all they want, but my point is that I'm not so worried about it that like, it's credible to be going after this kid and, you know, online and, and that kind of stuff. I just think that's over the top. Yeah, so prayers up for Travis. Hopefully he can recover soon. I mean, he's the kind of player that's going to want to get back on the field on on Monday. So hopefully the, the coaching staff can coach him up and, and tell him what's what's best for him and his health, especially for his long-term goals, as we discussed. Um, but shifting gears a bit here, I uh, just wanted to talk about overall coaching decisions because I, I know for you guys at the game, um, you guys didn't see Twitter reaction, but there was a bunch of reactions in terms of some of the coaching decisions that were made just to highlight a few of them. There was the fourth and goal. I think they were on like the, the three yard line ish. And I think it was the, I think it was like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I want to say, correct me if I'm wrong there, but they decided to kick the field goal when they were down by, they were down by a touchdown, right guys? Down by seven. Okay. Down by seven. They decided to kick the field goal. Twitter was going nuts. I honestly thought it was a smart play, and you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, you can maybe argue it was a smart play because you won. Uh, one of the other coaching decisions that made Twitter go nuts was when we went into overtime and we won the coin toss and elected to go on offense. Another small thing, I don't know why they did it. Maybe there was a reason for it. Is to play overtime in the north north end zone as opposed to the south because the south is louder. So I don't know. I had a question there. Um, also, just in general, uh, offensive play calling. There were some screens run early that, that didn't have a lot of success. 
Uh, so yeah, with all those things, guys, want to get your thoughts. Topher, do you want to kick us off there? Yes, I do. So kicking it on fourth and goal. Uh, yeah, absolutely the right decision. Reason being, um, one, our defense has made plays, right? They had made plays all night. We had to have faith that our defense, the defensive adjustments we made were good enough to make sure that they were not going to score again. A. B, we are not a running team, right? We had not gotten any push all night. We had not gotten any sort of run game going. We could hand it off and fourth and goal and get stuffed. And then we're really deflated. Um, I just, this was such an obvious one when we come out in that fourth and goal going for it and force them to take a timeout stroke a genius, right? Then we take the points. We came out in a formation that we were ready to go and they weren't. And if they didn't call a timeout, we would have gone for it. But when they adjusted, we were like, nah, We'll just take the points. I think that's genius and absolutely the right call. Um, because long term, guess what? We won the game. Um, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be mad about and it. And one I think other the thing before or sorry, did you have one more thought? I think forcing them to take the timeout is the real aspect of this that we don't um, you know, factor into the cost benefit analysis. And so if you're if you're out here saying it was wrong, not really. We didn't we got out of that. All right, hold on, because they've already called the timeout, so it actually doesn't matter. You go out in formation, they've called the timeout, you can go back out there and still go for it. So the the timeout is like a non-issue. Like, it it doesn't change the calculus. And I have to throw it out there, Topher, it was a 12% win probability drop kicking that field goal. It is statistically, objectively bad to kick that field goal there. And you have to be better with the statistics because you made a great point, Topher. Our defense have been playing really well all game, so you can trust them. If you don't convert it and get in the end zone, they now have to go the entire length of the field. And guess what? Like Jake said, they don't have Shador Sanders, so they're not going to go 90-plus yards down the field and score on us. I just think, like, on the surrender index, it's horrible. But those stats, those stats do not capture mentality. What oh if they my did God. not get that? He's got that dog in would him. have been sucked out of the stadium. The yeah, we don't we don't get that. That's more than a 12% drop. I guarantee it. I, I'm just saying the win probability dropped, and that's something that you have to be mindful about. And by the way, like we have better Chase, players the win than them. The ball. CSU had 99.4% chance of winning. Some <laughs> statistic. You you no, the 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 go for it like statistics are, are are there's a reason why they do it in the NFL right like there's a reason why you 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 follow the statistics and I just think like you're better than them you are supposed to be better than them we weren't better than, we were better than them we were not better than their D line then don't I said run the last... ball then don't run the ball throw the ball spread the with offense the, with the with the amount of pressure that stores under they were going to call a coverage zero blitz in a red zone area where there's where it's already condensed uh, speeding up Shador yeah. And then guess what? Like he might get sacked and suddenly they're not at the two, they're at the 10. That's the difference. We can't run the ball. We'd have to throw it. And if they call the cover zero, we were screwed. I just, I just think that you can be like, oh, well it worked out. So therefore it's the right decision. But at the end of the day, it is objectively the wrong decision. And we were lucky to get away with it. And the reason I know that not all the best decisions were being made is we also in overtime elected to go first after winning the coin toss, which is insanity. Like who does that? And then that's like the disrespectful chess move where you just move your king. So you can't castle. It's yeah. What? (laughs) It's, it's like absolute lunacy. But but it worked. It worked. There are are a lot. Did you see Coach Prime's comments on that? He said he wanted to keep the momentum. He trusted his offense. He wanted he wanted them to have the momentum. 
What a thug balling move. There are so many great math students at the University of Colorado (laughs) Boulder that will go work for that athletic (laughs) department for free and say, please, please go for it. And please, for the love of God, go second. Like you are just (laughs) trying to give this game away. And I here's the thing. I remember watching the coin flip uh, for overtime with my binoculars to see that we won the coin flip. I saw Shador's body language going like, yeah, we won. And I'm like, oh, my God, we got defense first. I look like a jackass in my section when the offense walks out there. The, I was like, what? The craziest part is the referee <laughs> yeah. was like, surely that's not what you meant to do. It's like when you're, on at, a TV, table, when you're at a blackjack table and you hit on 19 and the dealer's like, do <laughs> not do that. And you're like, no, I want to do that. And they're like, oh my God, I guess I have to let it happen. And then we draw two. Like that's basically <laughs> what happened. You know, you guys are, you guys are, I think you're bringing up a very, a very valid points on both sides, but let's also remember another factor here. Jay Norvell probably made two even worse decisions that cost them the game that may be actually helping us who think that it was good to kick the field goal, make our point because what happened on that drive immediately after the field goal CSU got the ball back and had it around midfield and they were moving the ball really well. And they had a fourth and two situation. You got to play to win. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I understand you're on your own side of the field, but still at midfield play to win. You're, you're winning the line of scrimmage battle, right? Easily. End the game, end the game. And you know, they, they punted it. And at first it looked like a great decision because that ball went out at the two yard line. But then what happened after that? They went into prevent defense. They changed their defense. They did the thing that made Tebow mania happen. Do you guys remember Tebow mania? That it, every team was dominating the game right until the end of the fourth quarter. Then they went into prevent and Tebow picked them apart and they ended up pulling out this magical win. There's even a game you guys might remember against the Miami Dolphins where they drove the length of the field to score a game tying touchdown and a two point conversion. That almost exact thing played out. And then after everything else in overtime, we make we made the decision to play offense first which is inexplicable i assumed that we had lost the toss when i saw that our offense is going out there much like you guys that's inexplicable i've never seen that happen but then csu that when they when they got their possession even though we scored a touchdown extra point when they had their possession they were moving the ball really well on that possession i thought that they were just stomping down and they were scoring why didn't they go for two right then and there you know that you have to start going for two anyways on the second overtime and on end the game play to win. Don't play to lose play to win. Jay Norvell deserves a lot of criticism for this. I haven't seen a lot of people talking about this. He deserves a ton of criticism. So he had his team super well prepared to play and they absolutely dominated us in the trenches, which longtime football watchers know is a clear cut sign of a team that's about to get their butt whooped. If you're losing both trench both trench battles that badly, it probably means you're going to lose. It's just amazing that we have a absolute Cadillac, uh, uh, amazing quarterback in order to uh, in order to make it happen. But in in a situation like that, coaching decisions like that matter significantly, and Jay Norvell deserves a lot of criticism 
even more so than CU's coaching staff does for whatever decisions were made or uh, kicking the field goal and get, using the ball first and, and what maybe even other stuff before that with the way the offense was being run. But man, those three critical CSU plays, that's if, if you're a CSU fan watching that and you actually, you know, you know, ball, which frankly, I don't think a lot of their fan base cares about college football. They just show up for this one game and then go back into their holes. So whatever. <laughs> um, but if you're watching that, you're sick to your stomach because th- they had it. They had it. You just, you play to win the game, man. I, I know I sound like, uh, uh, what's his face from the jets and Herman Edwards. Right? You play to win the game, man. You got to play to win the game. Are you kidding me? Every th- that deserve. I know I sound like a CSU fan, like, compl- but like as a fan of the game, that's just, that's, that's garbage. That's you, cowardly. It's super cowardly. cowardly. You, you guys were talking such a big game all week. And then you come out there with that. You had us on the ropes and you didn't have the balls to go for the knockout. Uh, I'm it's I love it though. I mean, as a CU fan, it's amazing, right? It's just, it. God, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? Jay? He deserves criticism. I, if any CSU fans happen to be listening to this, you guys can even clip this and, and post this on Twitter. I don't care. You're, you're sick to your stomach about those decisions. You play to win the game. And I hope for their sake, I'm not going to be rooting for them this year after what I saw. I normally do, but I'm not going to be rooting for them after what I saw out there. Uh, if they want to have success, even in a in a really weak Mountain West, they can't they can't do that anymore. Really quick stat: um, they mentioned this on TV, but I think it's there's been like seven matchups between CU and CSU in which one of the teams was ranked. The other team always beat the ranked team. This was the first time. It was flipped. wow. That's a nice little bit of trivia. So yeah. shout out to Jay, honestly, for that poor coaching decision and not uh, going for it on fourth down because it led to the greatest field rush I've ever seen. And I said last week that I was against the field <laughs> rush against Nebraska uh, because we Don't it was a dominant win. And I said I would be okay if we won in a close game. And you know what happened? We won in a close game. So my swing vote is now pro field rush. Sam, you hear that in Japan? Field rush versus the people. The decision was reversed by the Supreme Court here. We got some new judges out here, you know? literally, like, I feel like Washington when Arnold surrendered, uh, you know, surrendered, (laughs) like, like you, you think you know a guy, and then he's in favor of storming the field against the team that you were a twenty-three point favorite. No one cares about the Vegas the line. Y'all are not in there. that stadium. Oh, it doesn't matter. I don't in care. the stadium. I don't care. listen. You cannot rush against Colorado here's the State. Thing. Here's you the thing. You can't do it. Every single game when it's been close that I've been to in the past couple of years, there's just a moment where you just feel it in the crowd where you're like, if we win this game, we're going to storm. It's going to happen. And I had that moment. It's going to happen. Having those moments. We need to do it. Like this is, this is, this is a fan base in misery, right? This is cathartic. This is cathartic. No, no, you already got your cathartic storm rushing against Nebraska. You cannot just storm against Colorado State when you are a twenty-three point favorite. I, I don't care about the arguments about oh, it's the old people that are. It's the it's the culmination of you know, hey, we overcame dirty hits, we overcame you know cheap ass chop blocks, we overcame you know the blindside blocks, we overcame Travis Hunter leaving the game, and then we still beat you in overtime. You sound right? like Nick Saban when he nope. says we're disrespectful. With, with that logic, with that logic, we better storm versus Stanford. Well, how do you guys feel about that? 
They How lost the Sacramento. Okay. Stanford. Oh, so here's the thing. The, the key thing to this is when you're watching that game, you did not feel like a 24 point favorite, right? CSU got care. hold on, hold on. CSU, they got they got they got beat really bad by what turns out is a really, really good Washington State team, and they changed quarterbacks. And you know what? That new quarterback they put in, he looks really good. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. That guy looks really good. It's not just it wasn't CSU just their defense. Really yeah, they mm-hmm. did. It it wasn't just a defense problem. That guy hit tight windows. He was throwing the ball downfield and he was it was he played really well. That did not feel like I was watching a uh, a major upset, right? Uh, it felt like a point, it doesn't matter if it they had twenty five next to their name. We shouldn't have rushed the field. It's, it's just matter. so embarrassing. Like at some point, it's like okay, I'm happy for the kids. They got it out. They got to have their field rush against Nebraska. But like you can't. It's just so embarrassing. I mean, you have Why? people from Why are you that don't care at all. I'm because you embarrassed. I just don't. It's think about it's the brand. Luck. Like at some point, you have to <laughs> you have to stand up for for you have to stop acting like a, a like the the kid in the corner that's like the Make a Wish kid. Like at some point, you have to realize <laughs> we're not the Make a Wish kid anymore, and stop pandering and being like, "Oh, it's okay. You can do whatever you want." When we like, develop a habit of winning like this, then sure, I'll be against. We the do field have rush. a habit. We have three wins in a row. It's not do a habit. Do you believe? Come on, guys. We're going four this year. We're a good team. I mean, I was I'm the one that predicted point. more wins. I predicted more wins than all you guys, and I'm okay yeah, with it. Okay. Lead the most out of now, us, so. now that I've been on my high I, horse, I, I just really quickly need to mention, Sam did say on the last episode, he was like, do you want to bet? Because I said, they're going to storm for Colorado State. And he said, do you want to bet about that? And I should have taken him up on it and taken his entire teacher salary of $12,000 because (laughs) that was a, that was a late hit, man. (laughs) You're getting ejected for that. That was a late hit. hit. I told it. So now, you know what? I will go ahead and reveal like, he's not even here to defend himself. No, I'm changing my mind. Now that we are the school that storms the field for every win, I want to storm the field every game i don't care if we win i don't care if we lose i don't care if we lose by 60 if we're going to be the clowns the storm after every game let's make it our bit let's just do it like we're going to be on national television every game the rest of the year just storm the field and we can collect the fifty thousand dollar fines or whatever it is these days in the pac 12 (laughs) and maybe we'll get to bring them with us to the big 12 if uh you know, uh, Oregon State and Washington State end up coming so to the Big 12. Funny. I had so, the same thought, Chase. Let's like, storm after every win. Like, if we're point. just going to storm and just let the kid, you know, let the kids storm. Who cares? Like, oh, it's not embarrassing. Like, we're just going to pretend it's not embarrassing. Clemson does it already, though? They do. Yeah. I thought we would be the only school that did that. Never mind. No, no. If we're not the no, no, only no. school, they, I don't want to storm. Int- they intentionally allow it's not it's not they don't storm the field it's just that they open the gates and then all the students go on there and, and celebrate it's a thing go look it up clemson does it's it. like wine and cheese and a picnic on the field afterwards it, it certainly feels that way right and i remember I, <laughs> I had this moment i used to be a little bit of a gatekeeper of this at some point right i changed i changed my tune big time because of how how much we've suffered over the last six years in, in particular but i was i was a gatekeeper and i remember watching a clemson game once and it was against I mean, at this point, Clemson was winning national championships and then they're playing like an unranked BC team or something at home. And then I saw all their students going on the field. I'm like, wait, what? What is happening right now? And turns out they just that's what they do. They just let all the students on the field after every game. And then they just like hang out there or something. I don't know. I don't know the full extent of it, but maybe. Yeah, maybe that's what we are. But uh, it's hard. It's hard to stop highly emotional 
uh, students from doing stuff like that. They stayed. They stayed. None of them left. To their credit, to their credit. And I tell you what, um, if you guys watch the Broncos game today, I know Chase, you're not a Broncos fan, um, but if you guys watch that Broncos game, the Broncos came back and tied it at, at the end of the game, and the stadium was pretty much empty. There was no one there, right? And they got a hail mary touchdown as time expired, and then missed the two point conversion. But there was almost no one left to see it. So well, thank God the Broncos didn't win because then they would have had to storm the field because they're such a <laughs> suffering fan base. Our students didn't do that though. Our students stayed till the absolute end. It was packed from wall to wall till the very end. I didn't see anyone leave. That there was like general populace people that left, and maybe that's out of pain and and just embarrassment. But the students stayed, so I'll give them credit. You know, yeah, maybe it's embarrassing, but you know what? They're they're showing up. You know, that crowd was still very full. That stadium was still very full at. 12 30 a.m that was awesome i, was so I think we should just start so the twitter bad. movement we should just start a twitter movement that cu kids should storm after every game and let's just make that our thing and and we could just be embarrassed every game when we when we beat stanford that's owen 20 this season or whatever we're, expensive. we're gonna have to get yes. more money here but... we need to go look at the tape of 2016 because my recollection is we stormed like four or five times that year. Strace, it was cool when we did it, but now that I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty, so I'm pretty sure we stormed against ASU, UCLA, Washington State, and Utah that year. For sure, Utah, because <laughs> that was actually like a big win. Yeah, and the ASU one was bad because we were ranked at that point, and ASU wasn't ranked, and we beat them like 41 to 10. I'm pretty sure we stormed. We'll have to go look at the tape. So someone, <laughs> someone, someone who's some listener, you know, you, you let us know if you remember that, but I, I think we stormed multiple times that year and it was, it was fun. Pretty good time. Just be safe. You got to be safe out there. They cleared off the field pretty fast. They didn't just let us hang out there like uh, the Nebraska game back in 2019 or anything. They cleared it off really fast, but they let them, they let them down there. Their emotion, emotions were running high. They did their thing. You know what? I actually had a jacket stolen after a, a field storm. I think I might be psychologically upset about that. <laughs> but I'm against it, maybe. Um, but let's uh, let's transition here. Looking ahead to the Oregon game, this is CU's. I was gonna say first big test. That's not true. I think TCU is a really good team, but this is what the media thinks is the big test for CU. The first big test. I'm doing air quotes here on video. Um, big game coming up and. Just before we get into it, uh, Danny Cannell. Am I pronouncing his last name right? Yeah, Danny Cannell. You play. He's yeah. a Bronco, former Bronco, former Bronco player, NFL quarterback, uh, CBS reporter. He he tweeted out, and I quote: "When they get boat raced by Oregon and USC, do the networks try to milk the Colorado story on a winnable game versus ASU? Will the an- analysts be as- afraid to criticize Dion? It's not personal. It's just business." And we replied to that. I don't know which one of us replied. It was me. But basically jotting down saying, we're, we're bookmarking this. And he, <laughs> he replied and basically had a back and forth. And then we tweeted at Danny and said, let's make a bet. When CU beats Oregon, you have to come onto our podcast to explain your awful take. And Danny is a good sport. Hopefully he'll join us once CU takes care of business. But he said, sure thing. <laughs> yeah. What do I get if Oregon wins? Looking forward to seeing you next pod, buddy. Yep, and uh, just so everyone knows, our side of the bet is Sam will, if CU loses to Oregon, Sam will walk around his local mall for an hour with the Danny Cannell sign saying that Danny Cannell is my favorite quarterback and analyst ever. 
So and it's going to be in Japan. It's going to happen in Japan if it happens. So it's going to be extra funny. <laughs> <laughs> it won't happen. When Danny comes on the show, right? We got to say when. Coach Prime is big into saying when and not if. Um, That's right. But guys, let's talk about Oregon. Uh, Topher, do you want to kick us off with your, your preview? I know you had a chance to to take a look at some film. Yeah, so I watched the uh, Oregon Texas Tech film uh, highlight film on YouTube. Um, so I'll just start with the offense. Troy Franklin, number eleven. He's a legitimate deep ball threat. He is. He can fly. Um, he he had a couple a couple of go balls where he just took off and got a clean release and just took off. Um, just burned the corner. So with Travis being out this week, we need to be very good about being physical at the line and making sure he does not get that clean release. Um, or if we are playing zone, giving him a lot of space to not uh, threaten us over the top, right? Um, in their offense, their tight ends love to crack down on the defensive end um, to seal on uh, to seal the edge on um, runs. So expect us to come out in two different ways to try to solve this. Either we make the defensive ends uh, line up wider outside their tight ends to make sure they can't get that angle um, to get blocked and seal the end. Or we have to have an outside linebacker that controls the edge and the DN just needs to know that block is coming and make sure that they can hold their gap despite someone coming across their face. Um, so that's something that uh, to look for. Their O-line is very athletic um, and uh, they can flat out move. So um, I'm a little bit worried about their zone uh, zone running schemes. They, they ran that um, very, very effectively. As far as their passing attack, they like to condense the field and then attack the zone with numbers. So they will line up in this uh, trips formation to the narrow side of the field where they stack like three receivers really close to the line and they'll send them out and they put um, one or two zone defenders in conflict. Um, and they just feel that Nick's uh, is a, um, is a good enough quarterback close proximity to just attack those zones. So whichever way they read um, he's wrong. Um, so when we come out in that, I think we need to adjust, make sure we get an extra safety over there. The only worry about that is backside. If they have a tight end or a receiver, there's just a lot of room because they're on the wide side of the field. So um, once again, if we still had Travis, I'd feel a lot more comfortable just putting Travis on the wide side of the field and saying, hey, erase this guy. Um, I don't know if we have another guy that's like that. I mean, the obvious next pick would be Cormani maybe has that uh, skill set coverage wise, but um, I'm not sure if he's physically ready to play at the division one level. That's being um, thrown to the fire when you're lining up against number 13, Oregon. Um, so um, they do love to do crossing routes when they see man. And I do anticipate they saw the film against CSU and said, you know what, we're going to run the same thing. So I do expect to see Terrifying. a lot, a lot of drag routes uh, come this Saturday. Um, so I really, I really hope that we make the adjustment where, um, we have the backside linebackers um, taught to look across for the crossers, pick them up. So the moment they catch the ball, they can just lay the wood, uh, make a tackle, or hopefully jump the pass um, if Bo doesn't see it coming. Bucky Irving is their um, running back, number zero. Um, he's really good at making the first man miss, um, and that's very, very effective as a running back. So um, I, I – their offense is built very, very well. Um, they also have wide receivers that are great blockers. So when they come out in that trips formation, the uh, narrow side of the field, they're perfectly okay and comfortable running behind their wide receivers. Um, so our DBs are really going to have to, you know, do well at holding their parts in the run fits um, if we want to slow down their run game. 
um, defensively, right? They had a lot of funky blitzes that they threw at Tech um, where they were sending slot corners and then dropping linebackers from like the interior of the line. Um, it's really supposed to confuse the O-line uh, and let someone run free at the quarterback. Um, I'm hoping Shador can scout this well enough and see it on film where he can see that slot corner coming and attacking, attack the space that they vacate. Um, but they ran those outside blitzers quite a few times against Tech, and Tech really struggled to slow things down um, or try uh, struggled to adjust to that. Um, number 33, I was very impressed with his physicality. He's a safety linebacker hybrid. Um, he, uh, he, he loves to kill the crossing routes. So there was a lot of highlights where Tech would run a crosser um, at the line of scrimmage and 33 would just see it and just literally shove the guy right back into the line of scrimmage, which is really how I wish we would have played the drags and have a physical enough linebacker to just see the man coming across and hit him um, and erase that uh, and erase that route. Um, they had a couple of times where they had alignment issues based on the formations um, and they uh, Texas Tech took advantage of this by running their quarterback. Um, I don't know if we are in the point where we're comfortable running um, designed runs for Shador, but if we are, um, that is a weakness that Oregon's defense really showed is number wise. If you have a blocking tight end, a polling guard, a running back that can lead block for a running quarterback, um, that's that's the way Tech really punished them. Special teams, uh, I do. They ran this stupid ass swinging gate on a PAT two weeks in a row and scored on it two weeks in a row, the exact same play. I'm not sure how tech was not ready for it. Right. Like it's again on film on two highlight films on YouTube. Like I don't even have the coach's film and I was ready for it. Um, so it's a, a swinging gate where it's a direct snap to the holder rolls out left and then just dumps to the wide receiver that usually gets lost in coverage. Right. We need to be assignment ready. Um, if we jump that uh, we can return that for an easy two points. So I hope I see that. Right. I hope we get a two point conversion after one of their touchdowns. That would be an awesome feeling. I hope we don't see it because they score zero touchdowns. <laughs> Chase, I love the way you think, but <laughs> um, being realistic here. Um, and then uh, for their punts, they, it looks like they have this um, where they shift to one direction, trying to narrow the field. Um, there was one punt where the punter sent it the wrong direction. They gave it a huge return on it, right? So um, for those that are going to be watching the game, the way you can kind of tell which way the punter wants the uh, wants the punt to go is you just watch his shoulders, right? He will line up before the ball is snapped to him with his shoulders pointing where he wants to go. Um, and so, you know, a little tidbit of um, insider special teams information, just kind of enjoy the game a little bit more. If we ever see a missed kick, I really hope, um, whoever is our returner, we had three different returners um, last night. So Xavier Weaver, Dylan Edwards, and Jimmy Horn Jr. It's kind of whoever it they send out there, I guess. Whoever gets a chance, I hope that they do get the opportunity. Um, I wasn't very impressed with his accuracy. He has a good leg, but um, maybe he'll screw up another one. Um, and their place kicker is pretty good. So if it comes down to a kick, I do have I don't doubt that their kicker will hit it. So hopefully it doesn't come down to a kick. Um, but with all that information, I will go into my score prediction. I think uh, I think the Buffs lose a close one on this one. Um, I'm going to go 35-33 final. Yeah, and, huh. and that really... score sounds familiar. Isn't that exactly what the Broncos score was today? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think it. I think it was exactly. I think it was exactly. It was 35-33. That we lost the, the Broncos. 35-33. Wow. Well, I don't watch Broncos, so screw those guys. But 35-33. Oh, yeah, I think fan. we That's drop it. Right. Yeah. 
Interesting uh, that he's a Rams fan during the uh, CSU hate week. But uh, <laughs> I will say the the spread is uh, 20 and a half. So Oregon's 20 and a half point favorites right now. My my gut feeling is that's actually going to move against Colorado after that most recent game. And then the over under is 72 and a half, which is an insane amount of points. Um, I will bring up that Oregon did beat Portland State 81-7. And then Portland State today beat a team or yesterday beat a team 98 to zero or 92 to one to zero or something like that. Um, so Oregon is in fact at least 200 points better or approximately 200 points better than North American university. Um, that isn't even an NAIA, NAIA team, but anyway, um, <laughs> I think really quickly before I make my prediction, um, Oregon really impressed me in that Texas tech game. That's a game where they showed, you know, they, they should have lost that game and they came back and, um, and stole that one. I think they're a team that's going to be impossible to put away, frankly. Um, so if we're going to beat them, it's going to have to be decisive i just don't see how that happens with tra- without travis hunter um my my crazy prediction i don't know how crazy this is but um i don't think we're gonna have shador run i think we're too worried about him getting hurt and i just don't think he's a natural runner but i would like to see us in my prediction is that we see dylan edwards run a wildcat play um where we try to spread that defense um and, and try to get some sort of wildcat going the reason i say dylan edwards is if he can get into a, an opening he's he's gone um so anyway that's my uh, crazy prediction I'm going to go ahead and say um, I like the under in this game, and I, I think it's going to get ugly. I'm going to go um, Oregon 50, Colorado 20. I can I can go next, guys. Um, I wasn't very impressed with Oregon in that Texas Tech game. I mean, Texas Tech is now 1-2. and two. They lost their first game to Wyoming. So I think there's a little hope. But, yeah, I have less hope since the Travis Hunter injury. Um, I'm going to go – what did I write down here? I'm going to go – Oregon 38, CU 28. Um, so I think we got three of us that are picking Oregon so far. Uh, and then for my other prediction, this one is a little bit more positive. I'm going to predict that multiple guys are going to come back from injury. Uh, we're going to see Alden McCaskill on the field. That's my prediction. Then Wells is coming back. And Javon Antonio is going to come back and score a touchdown. He's going to be one of the safety safety lines for Shador. So that's my prediction. Hopefully we see some of these guys come back on the field, especially with the loss of Travis Hunter. Yeah, do we, do we know before I predict, do we know if uh, Alton McCaskill's coming back yet? I haven't heard anything there. We do not. That was solely it, speculation. They yeah. estimated two to three weeks, like two to three weeks ago. So Yeah, man, the the injuries are really piling up. It's getting it's getting crazy. I saw someone someone on Twitter compiled them. Someone in our feed. I can't. Do you guys remember who that was? Someone post. Someone posted something today. Okay. So anyway, someone had compiled that full list, and it's it's crazy. A lot of DBs too, right? Our our friend Jacquez, who we had on the podcast earlier this year, he's been out. Um, Sorry, yes, I found it. Chase okay. Cameron tweeted it. It was yeah, Chase Travis, Cameron. Travis J. Javon Antonio, Jalen Ellis, Jacquez Robinson, Travis Hunter, Miles Slusher, Alton McCaskill, Carter Carter Stoudemire, Vito Tisdale, Brennan Gant, Van Wells. David Connor, Landon BB, and Luis Passarella. My goodness. List. I think I think Passarella's out for the year. Um and to be fair, we're okay at tight end. It, it feels like we found a, a revelation there with Mikey. So that's good. But you heard a lot of linemen in that list. Van Wells was a stalwart uh center for even last year, right? For that terrible team. He was still uh, kind of holding it down down there. Landon BB. Right. What a what a critical uh piece of your I think he's what he, what is he? He's a tackle, right? He's right tackle. I can't remember now. He's a guard. He's a guard. He's a guard. Okay. Okay. 
Man, I want to say right guard. I think you were right there. Okay. Okay. So you're you're but missing that. You're missing Connor, who's a Florida a lot transfer. Of, a lot of people in the secondary that are hurt. Brutal. Um. God. So to to the Oregon game, predicting there. I I to, just to be totally transparent. I haven't watched Oregon yet. I'll I'll try to to get to that a little bit this week, but I am definitely worried about the trench play. Right. This is three weeks now. And TCU, I think TCU is going to turn it around. Um, they've they've played pretty they've put away bad teams the last couple of weeks. And they have kind of a soft start to their Big 12 schedule, including that Houston win that they had this weekend. So I think that that team's pretty good, but then we saw them CSU kind of exposed that trench. We'll we'll see how good their trench is. It's hard to know for sure at this point, but that that definitely freaked me out a lot. So some of these elite teams are going to be licking their chops seeing that. Um, I I t- I tend to agree with with Chase on this one. I I kind of think that it's going to be it's kind of kind of get out of hand. Maybe we'll have the opportunity to get uh, Staub a little bit of burn in the in the third or fourth quarter. Uh, I I think it's going to be it's, it's going to be ugly. So I'm, I'm pred- predicting like 42-17, but. Uh, that's including like a garbage town uh, touchdown in the, maybe in the fourth quarter uh, with, with backups in for Oregon. I, I, I would be ecstatic if I was, if I was wrong, if, and if, if Sam doesn't have to walk around with a sign in Japan that, that says Danny Cannell is his favorite quarterback, that would, nothing would make me happier than to prevent that, that terrible, terrible fate for him. But what, what I saw on Saturday, you know, but when we were talking, <laughs> that's the thing. When we were talking to Danny Cannell, I don't think any of us saw what happened on Saturday coming. The fact that that mm-hmm. was not only close, but we got dominated. We really got dominated for the vast majority of that game. And Shadur is just Shadur. He's just him, right? And he and... And then also, we already touched on this. I don't want to beat this horse to death, but some really questionable decision making from Jay Norvell. Really, que- really questionable. And I, I can't stress that enough. Um, we pulled it out somehow. So I have to recalibrate myself somewhat for that. And I think that we're going to see some of that happen next weekend. But we'll see. This team has surprised, surprised us all the time. So. Yeah, and when we were talking to Danny, Travis Hunter obviously was not hurt yet. And when your best player on offense and defense gets hurt, there's an impact. Well, with that um, shining note of optimism with four of the fellas, um, all four, picking against Colorado. Um, I think we... Sam picked the buffs 80 to, to a three. So maybe we could throw that in there. Cool. After Sam's been so worried about over-believing or under-believing, Sam's just decided to completely uh, go all in. Um yeah, so with that being said, Sam, if you've listened to the end of our episode, um, I did win that bet. Uh, but we'll go ahead and sign off. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you could please give us a review on um, you know, iTunes, Spotify. Um, that helps us out. Give us a follow on Twitter if you're not already. Um, Instagram, YouTube, all that good stuff. And with that, uh, Scobuffs, I hope we're all vastly wrong. I hope we kill Oregon <laughs> this weekend. Hey, we're 3-0. Um, that hey, we're that 3-0. has to count for something. Hey, we're 3-0. So, hey, none of us predicted 3